Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Joining me now to break down all the market action. Good Tuesday morning, Ryan Huang. Happy Tuesday, Michelle. Let us start this morning over in China, where concerns are growing over the state of the country's economy. The country's economic recovery appears to be stalling. Youth unemployment is high. There's even talk in some circles that China is no longer ascending, but has already peaked. Can you believe that? Well, these concerns about the state of China's economy, as well as renewed fears over its corporate debt, has led to a sell-off in Chinese property counters, shares of Country Garden. They're one of the largest developers in China. They dropped 7% yesterday. Also, one of its units, Country Garden Services, saw a plunge of 15%. Now, Ryan, I understand that some rating downgrades contributed to this sell-off. Tell us more. Yeah, so it's a long list of worries when it comes to China. That's one reason why share prices of what we're tracking in China have been on, in a bit of a slump. And if you add more concern to it. No surprises. Things are looking down. JP Morgan, among those who have been downgrading the likes of Chinese real estate developers. And this comes off the back of problems or at least expected problems for the likes of Country Garden, which is one of the largest property developers in China. And it really reflects how much of a slump the sector has been through and the lack of confidence that's permeating through the entire country when it comes to anything to do with property. So mm. a lot needs to change before confidence returns. And to give an idea of how bad it is, uh, you have JP Morgan downgrading um, the likes of Country Garden by more than half the target price. And the bank is also warning that unless the Chinese government steps up in terms of policy support, there are likely to be more problems down the road. And looking at some of the issues that have been playing out in the past few weeks, uh, Country Garden had a loan facility that they were refinancing last week. Even though they managed to do so, investors were still not reassured enough and they continue to sell off on Country Garden. And if you look at the wider property sector, there has been a slew of weak data points coming through, including anything that involves sales data and also some of the earnings commentary coming through. Uh, we had recently property giant Evergrande coming through with their earnings report. Um, that showed a bit of an inkling into how much of a hole the property sector is in right now before they can recover. So there is quite a lot weighing down on it. So hopefully there is some light at the end of the tunnel. Some analysts are warning that that light may be a long way off, Ryan. Warning that weakness in China's property sector could be a drag on its economy for years to come. Beijing is announcing a slew of measures to try to boost its economy through initiatives to encourage consumer spending. Interestingly, this is also promising to treat private companies the same as state-owned companies. How significant are these measures treating private as the same as state-owned? Yeah, this is going to be a big deal because when you think about it, state-owned enterprises typically have some special privilege or mm. at least some inclination where you have perhaps special treatment because they are state-owned. So maybe you know, they get a jump the queue when it comes to things that they might need to queue for. So a lot of, um, I guess, special privileges might be offered to the private sector, at least a more level playing field. So that could help that side of the equation when it comes to shoring up employment, employing more 
youth. And anything that will just help the Chinese economy chug along. If you cast your mind back to a few years ago, in the past few years, there's been a crackdown on multiple things. The education sector, like tutoring. You had the so-called vice industry when it comes to alcohol. You also had platform companies, tech companies in general, also under the crosshairs. Now, they seem to be changing their stance. And that perhaps is a recognition that they need more business activity to pick up and that could come from the guys have been cracking down the past few years. Yeah, pretty tumultuous time for private companies now looking for support from Beijing. One set of companies that should get a particular boost from the latest fiscal stimulus measures are the makers of electric vehicles. Now, Beijing has announced a 10-point plan to increase car ownership and is extending tax breaks for EV purchases. Another headline from China caught my eye this morning. And by the way, investors, if you're interested in this whole EV space, uh, green space, I'm going to be speaking with uh, a man who has done extensive research. He is a, an award-winning reporter from Bloomberg and he will join me at 10.05 as we look at opportunities in the uh, environmental, sustainable and uh, the ESG space Yeah, across the world. One set of companies that should get a particular boost from the latest fiscal stimulus measures were what we were talking about a while ago when it came to EV vehicles in China. Another headline from China did catch my eye this morning. Uh, Companies from an entirely different industry, shall we say, a world apart from electric cars, appear to be betting on a revival in Chinese consumer spending. I am talking about bubble tea makers. Are you a fan? Yeah, I was a big fan. Uh, It's a much bigger fan when I was growing up. And I would be able to drink an entire cup of pearls by myself. Wow. Those were the days, not anymore. Man of many How talents. How about you? Uh, I used to be, and then, you know, no, no longer. Yeah, but I think it the off really bubble fast. tea days we grew up with and what they have now is an entirely different world. Because really? back then it was much simpler, just pearls. Now mm-hmm. you've got various toppings, fruits and marshmallows, and it really is limited to your imagination. Yeah, it's interesting. Eat your drink, right? Uh, But at least when it comes to stocks, at least six bubble tea makers over in China are lining up to list their shares in Hong Kong. Fill us in. Yeah, this is what's (laughs) brewing right now. So bubble tea IPOs, will it be a bubble? We'll see. But in the meantime, we've got at least six of them lining up to go for a listing. But the catch is these are Chinese Bubble tea makers, Mm -hmm. they are not going to China to find money. Ah. So they're going elsewhere. Uh, More specifically, Hong Kong stock markets and the US stock markets. And there's an entire story behind this. So the background is, we've talked about this many times, China's been cracking down on many things. Among them, discouraging certain types of companies from being listed as a way to protect retail investors. And among these companies, some of these sectors include like liquor companies, education companies, anyone with a bad business model that might just fall apart, pyramid schemes, uh, what have you. And in the mix, unofficially, there's been this grey area that they've been trying to discourage companies which have a flimsy model um, when it comes to expanding at least. So these are companies which are high growth typically, expanding at breakneck speed, but without any profits to show for it. And that is a warning sign for policymakers to the extent that they have been discouraging them from listing back home. So no choice. These guys have to go elsewhere, which is where Hong Kong and the US comes in. 
And this are including the likes of Mi Xie Ping Cheng. If you've been around Singapore, you're a big bubble tea fan, you might have noticed them. They've got this viral mascot. It looks like a big white marshmallow or sundae running around. Sometimes it picks fights with this other frog called Douyin. Uh, <laughs> there's a brunch at Pai Leba Quarter if, oh. or Pai Leba PLQ. Uh, PL... PLQ? Q more, uh, PL Square. Bus Square. That's the one <laughs> I'm looking at. So they've got a brunch there. Um, so they are big. So they've got over two or 25,000 locations in China. And overseas, they've got around 3,000 locations. So they still want to expand and they want to raise money. And they are looking at possibly going to find it in the U.S. So that's one of the six. And the mm. others we are looking at include... Um, Auntie Jenny, A-U-N-T-E-A, Auntie Jenny, quite clever. Uh, Chai Bai Dao, <laughs> X-S-Q-T, uh, S-S-Q-T is quite clever. So. Okay, so you've got a few names in the mix. Um, so I guess there's a big appetite for betting on Chinese consumption bouncing back. I'm sure it will at some point. Um, and bubble tea is quite big these days, right? Okay, delicious, but is bubble tea a good investment? I suppose you can argue yes. It is a treat and I think with people starting to open up, you know, as people open up, they will spend more, go out and socialize. And these are some of the drinks that people typically pick up. And as a growing, I guess, franchise model going overseas, I'm seeing more restaurants offering bubble tea, ramen restaurants, um, your Chinese food restaurants, starting to offer it as a bit of a, I guess, novelty item just to jazz things up. So there is a huge market, but I guess it's really who's going to be emerging at the top, right? Not everyone's going to be making money in this bubble tea bubble. That's right. I love all the puns, Ryan. Ami Shui Bing Cheng is China's biggest bubble tea chain. More than 25,000 locations worldwide, including several here in Singapore. Um, three Mi Shui outlets here in Singapore, apparently. Let's turn to the US, where change is afoot. Over at NASDAQ, the benchmark NASDAQ 100 index is undergoing some Big changes. The special rebalancing, as they call it, took effect yesterday. Stocks like Apple, Microsoft, they have slightly less sway in moving the index. So what are the biggest shifts? Yeah, so big tech has gotten too fat. That's pretty much the way I am looking at it. So the past year has seen a huge rally in tech stocks. If you just look at Nasdaq 100, it's been up more than 30%. And a huge part of it came from what's being described as the Manifestant 7. This includes the likes of Microsoft and pretty much the whole gang that has a big play on tech, AI, you name it. They've enjoyed a big run and people have been criticizing, hey, these guys have been in a way skewing the Nasdaq composite, the Nasdaq 100 at least, to the point that maybe it's not a good reflection anymore. And here's where the rebalancing comes in. Um, so now the management 7, that weightage is cut from 56 to 44. And on a sector basis, the sector's weight when it comes to IT is down slightly from 51 to 49. So if you look at some of the specific stocks that are being cut back, Apple is down by 4 percentage points to 12%. Microsoft is down by 4 percentage points as well to 10%. Conversely, some of the other stocks like Broadcom will see an increase is weighting up by around 64 basis points to 
3%. So the whole idea is to give a better reflection of the index, which is what an index is supposed to do anyways. Indeed. The Nasdaq is up 34% since the beginning of the year, thanks in large part to jumps in the prices of the big tech stocks. So do you think this rebalancing uh, could temper the index's future performance? Yeah, so... I am leaning towards no. So based on past rebalances, it has not really had a big change. And you could also argue that because of the rebalance, it could go even higher because now the other stocks like Broadcom and what have a chance to catch up. And we've been talking about how the rally is starting to broaden. And if you have other stocks jumping on this rally, then hey, they are going to contribute to the Nasdaq's rise. I want to bring the conversation back to Singapore. Keppel DC REIT is the latest real estate investment trust to open its books. The company owns more than 20 data centers around nine countries across Europe and Asia-Pacific. How is its business doing? All right, let's take a look at Keppel DC REIT. On the surface, it does look pretty okay. DPU for the first half is up 0.04% to 5.051 cents. So that's pretty okay. Distributable income rose 0.2% to $91.3 million. Property income also doing pretty okay, up 3.3% to $127.4 million. A couple of things helping that. You've got the acquisitions of two data centers in Guangdong, China. Reversions from contract renewals and escalations. So they are getting um, higher rents in their contracts. Tax savings from its investment into M1 network bonds, all that contributed to higher income. Worth noting, um, it has been seeing some headwinds when it comes to financing costs. Yeah, so Capital DC REIT's revenue is up thanks in part to these new data centers in China that it's acquired, as well as higher rents and some tax savings, as you heard. Its occupancy rate is pretty good as well at more than 98%, but its financing costs have risen, which have left Capital DC REIT's profits uh, largely flat. Ryan, are rising financing costs something that we need to watch out for across the REIT sector? Yeah, that's a good question, Michelle. So if you look at the financing costs for Capital DC REIT, that went up. No big surprises. Uh, it's um, up 73.4% to $22.7 million. So as you refinance loans, you have to take what's available in the market, which is right now higher interest rates, uh, generally more than what you locked in many years ago because rates have been going up. So many REITs are likely to have to face this headwind, having to accept that rates are going up and pay higher rates in the next years to come. So that is something to watch out for for the REIT sector. Shares of Keppel DC REIT finished a little lower yesterday, but they are still up 28% since the start of the year. Fraser Centerpoint Trust, Keppel DC REIT, Maple Tree Logistics Trust, uh, Keppel, they're next in line to open their books. They report their earnings this evening after the markets close. Time now for corporate news, and we do it up or down style. Chinese EV maker BYD. All right, BYD, build your dream, the... EV maker that's making waves in China and slowly overseas will be a down for me. So it's running into a roadblock in India. So based on reports, India has rejected its proposal to build a $1 billion EV factory in partnership with a local company. And the catch here is typically the automobile industry, you don't need approval per se to invest in it, Mm -hmm. but 
if you are a neighboring country that shares a border of India, you need to get the clearance on the political front and security front from the various ministries. So that is based on reports, currently a no. I'm going to share your sentiments there. And give BYD a down today. If you've just joined us, um, India is blocking a $1 billion bid by the company BYD to set up an EV factory there. So foreign direct investment in India's automobile sector typically doesn't require approval. But in this case, Delhi says there are national security concerns involved. All right. I know you are a big fan of this at some point. Domino's Pizza, <laughs> up or down? A yeah, big fan. I was actually working at Domino's at some point. Oh. So... This is a brand that's close to my heart and I am going with down. (laughs) So this, unfortunately, is down because it missed on second quarter revenue and it has not been able to pass on higher costs. At least not many people are biting into these pizzas with these higher price tags. So it's seeing fees go up for deliveries and also... The menu is costing more and people are turning away. So that's hurting demand for its pizzas. Oh, no. Looks like inflation is taking a bite out of Domino's profits. But they still came in higher than expected. So I'm going to give you a glass half full. Look at that. The company grossed more than one billion US dollars in the first quarter of this year. Investors initially sold off on the news, but Domino shares rallied essentially flat overnight. So I will give Domino's an up, but you know, the man next to me is an expert. He's eaten more Domino pizzas. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> Most of us. All right, let's uh, look at Spotify. All right, Spotify. Well, I would go with up for this one. So this is with prices going up. It is hiking prices. I guess it's no surprise. So it is joining the bandwagon. Everyone's been trying to raise prices, not just Domino's. You've got Mm -hmm. YouTube as well. Everyone who has a subscription service, Netflix, Spotify is joining the gang. So it is raising prices and... Let me walk you through what we're talking about. It's between a dollar to two dollars when it comes to price hikes, and that includes the US, also in Singapore. So if you've got a Spotify premium individual plan, now it's going to be priced at ten ninety eight per month. That's an increase of about a dollar and eight cents. The dual plan is up two dollars to fourteen ninety eight, and the other plans will see an increase of around a dollar. I'm paying $2 more, people. Okay, so Spotify raising subscription prices. I know you feel my woe. Those prices going up as much as 20% in the US and several other countries, Singapore included. Uh, Spotify prices going up are down in my books. Investors also didn't seem to like the news. Spotify shares fell more than 4% overnight. Are you going to be paying more? I suppose we have to give the reason why they decided to raise it. So they say that the company wants to continue to deliver value to fans and artists. How much did they lose paying uh, Joe Rogan (laughs) is what I want. (laughs) Uh, So take what you want from what they're saying. So I guess they have cost pressures to pay and of course um, their own employees to pay. It's all going up. All right. Let's look at an evergreen Tupperware brands. Yeah, this is something that I think everyone at some stage of their lives would have at uh, bringing to work or in the kitchen. How else you tapao? Yeah, so Tupperware seems to be back in favour again for some reason. And the thing is, there is no clear reason why. So <laughs> here is the stock rising more than 75%. Oh, 
Yeah. So if you take it over two sessions, it's up over 136%. So everyone's been trying to figure out what is going on with Tupperware and there is no clear reason. So it seems to be one of those meme stock runs where you've got some folks just rallying behind it, trying to push up the price perhaps. So it is going to be one to watch to see how much more momentum it has before it starts to come down. Uh, it really head scratcher this one. I mean, Tupperware is ubiquitous. That still doesn't explain why its share price surged seventy five percent overnight. Its largest daily gain on record has a thought just popped into your head. I have to also point out that Tupperware's business is not doing too well. In fact, it's on the brink of bankruptcy. Oh, so no, it is great. not fundamentally that strong. So there is no strong fundamental compelling reason to be in Tupperware right now. Speaking of fundamentals, there was apparently no new announcements to drive the jump as well, this huge daily gain. Uh, so while Tupperware shares went up, up and away overnight, I would watch out to make sure they don't come crashing down again. So hold off on those Tupperware parties just for now. Far East Shopping Centre. Yeah, so this is one of those malls that will also, I can speak to a lot of Singaporeans. Were you a fast Far East kid? Yeah, never. All right. So I think a lot of kids grew up there and hung around. They when did? It was at they a, bought Dr. Martins? I suppose so. So Far East <laughs> Shopping Centre in Orchard Road. Right now, the quieter part of Orchard Road. Oh, that building is up for sale. So this is at a price tag of $928 million. And I'm going with up. So this is, a, I think, a rare chance for someone to get in to rejuvenate and bring in new ideas and also the chance to take part in the URA's what's being called the Strategic Development Initiative. So Mm -hmm. if the developer is able to take part in this, it means they can, for example, connect to the existing Orchard MRT station or the Thompson East Coast Line Orchard MRT station. So if you get that going on, no underground connections to that part of Orchard Road, then I think it's going to be quite interesting to bring in foot traffic and maybe new businesses to that part of the, I guess, quite a part of the stretch. Piece of nostalgia of Singapore um, being erased from the landscape again. Uh, as you mentioned, a lot of people after school used to hang out at Far East Shopping Centre. I used to love the second-hand bookstores there. If it does go on block and meets that asking price, which is close to $1 billion, that sale is going to be an up for the building's landlord, HPL, and its embattled owner, Ong Beng Seng. Yeah, 999 years is the lease for this one. So this is uh, one of those unusual um, deals that people will be, I think, quite closely looking at. Have you been to Far East Shopping Centre recently? Wow, that is a good question. The last time was about five years ago and I remember a lot of golf and sports shops there. Yeah, it has gone through quite a change in terms of the types of shops available. It used to be a lot of cheap cheap uh, fashion and now, my goodness, those little stores set you back a couple of hundred if you walk out of there. What stores are you looking at there? I, I see some jewellery stores in the front. Sh- clothing shops, you know, they bring in uh, clothes from ah, Korea yeah. and China, all sorts of places like that. Trendy things, but really expensive compared to the Far East Shopping Centre of old. Thank you very much. Ryan Huang there. I'm Michelle Martin. Stay with me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Audio at the App Store and Google Play.